Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. We have been talking about healing. We're going to keep on until the Holy Spirit says, move on. And next week, this is just too fresh off the press for me to share today, so I'm going to do it next week. But honestly, um, I just believe the Lord has shown me something that is so revelational to me that it's, it's honestly life-changing. And so I'll be sharing that with you next week when I've had more time to immerse myself. And anything that I share with you, I want it to be something that I do and something that I walk out, not something that you open a textbook and get a message out of. I've never done that, and I don't ever want to do that. I want it, you know, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. And who knows what happened to the children of Israel if they collected too much manna. They were told they collected enough for the day and extra for the Sabbath. But if they went over that, what happened? It rotted. So the Lord wants to give us fresh bread, daily bread, every day. And if you'll just spend time with him, he'll be more than happy to do that for you. He doesn't ever withhold good from us, ever. And so, in fact, the Bible says, and I, this is just so precious to me, it makes me cry, but in Romans 8, 32, it says he did not even spare his own son, but he freely gave him up for us. How much more will he not give us all things? He didn't spare his own son. And, and because I grew up with the concept that, that this God was tight-fisted and you had to beg and you had to perform and, and dot every I and cross every T and do everything right to have any form of reward, I mean, I've spent decades renewing my mind to the fact that that's a lie. But the fact is that most of us still have a measure, I don't care how young or old you are, of performance. And it negates grace. Because grace is never deserved, never can be earned. Nothing you do can merit the grace of God. He did not spare his own son, but he freely gave him up for us all. And so if you have an, a vision or an attitude or a mindset of a tight-fisted God, and one of the things that will really get you in that position besides perhaps the way you were raised is the but, but what happened to them, but look what happened to them, but they believed and... And, and that's a faith killer. Let me tell you something good. If there's a giant in your way, it's only because God has empowered you to bring that giant down. That's the only reason it's there. God has empowered you to bring that giant down. And yes, that giant is shouting, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die. What you love is going to be taken from you. That giant has a very loud voice, and it's big, and it's bigger than you. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. 
And, and Jesus has already empowered you to bring that giant down. So just know that. And whether or not you can be like the children of Israel and run at the accusatory voice, the voice that says you're coming down, or you can speak back. David declared the end from the beginning, and God says he declares the end from the beginning, and so we have to declare the end from the beginning. The hottest trial I ever went through in my life, the Lord declared the end before I ever knew I was in a fight. He gave me a promise. And so I had my sword before I ever faced the giant. He'll do the same for you if you spend some time with him. You know, but if you're too busy... Well, then enjoy the journey. It won't be good. So we've been going through the Bethel prayer for healing. And I don't have time to read it all. You can go back and listen to the podcast or live streams because it's lengthy. And so we've just taken it a portion at a time. But I'm going to take up where we left off two weeks ago. And, and I'll just do the very last paragraph. This is talking about healing and God's desire to heal us. And, and I'm going to tell you something. I really want to get to the end because something happened to me on Sunday, actually through um, Rick, that riveted me. It really did. And I can't wait to share it with you. But I'm going to lay a foundation first. So faith, he's talking about faith. Faith doesn't look to see if it has enough faith. It doesn't see if there's enough power in the room. Faith looks at Jesus. Remember Hebrews 12 too? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. So if you're not looking at Jesus, how do you know you're looking at Jesus? He's in the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm, I'm going to hammer this into you until I'm really old. If you want to know the will of the Father, if you want to know the heart of the Father, look at Jesus. Jesus said, I've come to do your will. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, period. So if you want to know his will, look at Jesus. That's how you know the heart of the Father. That's how you know it is God's will to heal you because Jesus healed. He never refused to heal anybody, ever. Show me one, show me one time. You Right now, bring me your Bible and show me one time Jesus refused to heal. Let me save you some time. You won't find it. I mean, you would have to massacre the will of God or the word of God to show me that because you can't. It's not in the Bible. He never, never said no to anybody with a sincere heart. Never did. Not one time. And I can show, yes, there are times he said according to your faith. But if you look at those passages, it's because they were focused on Jesus. That's why he said according to your faith. So it wasn't really according to what you have drummed up and gotten all wrapped up about. It was because they were focused on Jesus. And when you focus on Jesus, and you focus on him, and you focus on him, your faith will grow because he's the author and perfecter of your faith. So faith looks at Jesus. And when we stay fascinated with Jesus, our healing comes. All right, that's where we left off. Now let's go on. Our kids, we would reward them for good grades on their report cards. We would give a certain amount of money 
How many of you got money if you got a good report card? That's why I was broke, because I never did. <laughs> I think sometimes we think that's how we are coming to God. We're showing him our report card. Think about it. God, I did this, and I did this, and I served at church, and I led a small group, and I went to the women's events, and I was an usher, and I helped take up the offerings, and I was at the, in the prayer team, and I'm, I've done good. That's my report card. No, you should do that out of love for God and his people, not with the motive of reward. The Bible says that he is a rewarder of those, Hebrews eleven six, who diligently seek him, not who diligently do good. Doing good springs out of your love for God. That, that's what this church is based on. And in doing so, we make followers of Christ who express his life in our world. So, we're showing him our report card, and we are giving him reasons why we're worthy of this healing or this blessing or whatever it is. Now, I want to talk to you about that for just a minute because I've told you before and I've told you many times that you know, I grew up with a real mind block where math is concerned. And the reason for that is because when I couldn't understand, I, I got beatings. So what, what happens to you when you're being pressured to, can't you see this? Why can't you see this? Well, the more that happens, the less you can see it, right? And, and I would get very, very anxious and so, like I tell you all the time, I still don't know what X equals. I don't care what X equals. I, I fail to see the purpose of it. I mean, unless you're an aeronautical engineer or something like that, or an accountant. So, I um, didn't do well at all in math and had to go to summer school and, and retake algebra and all that. And, and so... I went my first year of college to a junior college. And then my sophomore year, I transferred to A&M. And so in my freshman year in junior college, I took algebra and I pulled it off. I don't know how. I think, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I made a C or a B, but it was at least a C. Definitely was not an A. And I go to A&M and did very, very, very well. I think I had a 3.75 or 3.8 grade average when I graduated. And, but the day before graduation, which of course my family was going to come to A&M for the graduation, I graduated in December, actually graduated from college in three and a half years. And I would just take 18 hour semesters and go to summer school and do whatever I had to do to get through. And Got a Bachelor of Science and had an education minors in English and biology and, and got a certification, all those things you need to do. So, day before I graduated, I went to see the post on the graduates and my name wasn't on it. And, you know, I will tell you, there was a little bit moment of fear in that. And so, I went in to the dean and I said, why isn't my name on this list and he said you didn't take college algebra you can't graduate 
I said, I did. I took it at San Antonio College. He said, no, no, ma'am. Mrs. Ross, I was married at the time. He said, no, ma'am, you took what, it, I don't even know what it's called. What, what is it called? What is it? Well, no, it was like pre. Tiffany, what's it called? You got a master's degree. Well, I guess it was like pre. It's the thing that flunkies had to take to get to the real thing, okay? So I, uh, and he said, and I said, but, but the dean of education signed up, off on that. And basically he accused me of forgery. So he took me, marched me. Here I am. I am 21 years old. You can imagine how intimidated this, this, this was. I mean, this is Texas A&M. And he marched me to the dean of education. And he took and he slapped it down. And he said, did you sign this? And he looked at it. He goes, I don't know why I did, but I did. That is my signature. And they had to let me graduate. Now, let me tell you why that happened. I was a brand new believer. And when, you know, when you're a brand new believer, you can get away with things with God <laughs> that you just can't get away with. After, like, I've walked with him for 50 years now, 50 years. And I was thinking about this whole thing about the report card. I wasn't worthy of graduating. I did not fulfill the requirement of college algebra. So my graduation was unmerited, unearned, and undeserved according to the requirements of Texas A&M University for a Bachelor of Science degree. But I got it because my father gave me grace. Gave me grace. And I just can't think of a much better illustration. But we are trying to earn the favor of God. And as long as you're trying to earn it, it's on you. I had someone tell me something that has absolutely stuck with me for many years now. And I, and I honestly abide by it. And she told me that, uh, and it was someone in this church. And she told me she had this plan of, you know, something she wanted to do in the church. And uh, she was going to go present it to Cindy. And, and uh, she prayed about it. She thought, she thought it was just outstanding. But she asked the Holy Spirit. And he said to her, it's a good plan. It's just not mine. And if you do it, you're on your own. I'll never forget that. Because we do so many things that it's not that it's bad. It's not that it's wrong. It's just not God. Now, on the other side, there's things that it just doesn't matter. I remember one time I was really praying. I mean, struggling over, I was invited to two different events. And God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I just want to please you. Where do you want me to go? And I'm just really seeking him on it. And I finally just had this prompting, doesn't matter. Neither of them have any eternal significance. Do what you want. So sometimes that's the answer. It just doesn't matter. I mean, do I go to lunch with Louis and Didi or do I go to lunch with Janice and Chauvet? <laughs> yeah, I'll do one day. Well, I don't, I'm sorry I don't have time for that, but it sounds like fun, though. 
Okay, so we can't convince God why we're worthy. The good news of the gospel is this. You are not getting judged on your report card. You're getting judged based on Jesus's report card. You're literally coming before the Father and you're showing him Jesus's report card. Okay, wait, I'm spilling everything. I know this sounds ridiculous, but I have pictures of my family in my Bible. And so when I pray in the morning and I plead the blood, I hold the pictures before the throne of grace. It's not that God doesn't remember who my family is. It's just that I'm very deliberate in what I do. And so, this watch is just driving me happy. There we go. And so, you show him Jesus' report card, which is the word. And he delights to treat you as if you were Jesus. What a good use of grace is. It means that Jesus is not dealing with you based on your performance. He's dealing with you based on his performance. So let me read some scriptures on grace to you. Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I have been crucified with Christ. Now let me tell you something about that. We are to live our lives so united with him and so one with him that when the devil looks at us, he can't see the difference. So I will have to step out of my communion with Jesus for him to find me. That's what it means to be hidden with Christ in God. The devil can't find you. 1 John 5.18 says that he, born of God, keeps you. And the wicked one doesn't touch you. Doesn't mean you'll never get attacked or have a trial. But he's going to have to face Jesus. Because we're one. I'm crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith, adherence to, reliance on, and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Now listen, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not, here you go, this is, this is so riveting. I do not set aside, invalidate, frustrate, and nullify the grace of God. For if justification, just as if I never sinned, comes through observing the law, Christ died groundlessly of no purpose and in vain, and his death was wholly superfluous. So if I'm justified by my works... And grace doesn't count. Jesus didn't even have to die. But we frustrate the grace of God when we try to earn through our performance because I'm a, I'm a good little girl. And I've heard people say, and I know you have too, I just don't understand why that happened. They're such good people. Well, devil likes, he likes to eat good people. He's looking for someone to devour. Isn't that what 1 Peter 5, 8 says? He's seeking about someone to devour. Your goodness will not earn you anything. I do not frustrate the grace of God. 
For if my right standing with God comes on the base of my, this is, I'm paraphrasing this, based on my doing good, my report card, then why did Jesus die? 1 John 3, 8. He who commits sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. This is what I love. The reason the Son of God was made manifest was to undo. That Greek word undo is the Greek word luo, L-U-O. The reason, say the reason. The, reason. the, Son, of the Son of God was made manifest. Was made manifest. Here you go. It's going to give us the reason. Was to undo, destroy, loosen, and dissolve the works the devil has done. If you have something in your body today that shouldn't be there, whether it's a growth or uh, arthritis or well, all these diagnoses, you know, I just really despise it when a doctor says, everybody over 50 has that. You ever been told that? Everybody over 40 has that. Everybody over this age. No, thank you. The reason the Son of God was made manifest was to dissolve the works the devil has done. You have something in your body that you don't want. You tell it. You dissolve in the name of Jesus. The Son of God was made manifest to destroy you, to dissolve you, to undo you. That's what luo means, destroy, loosen, and dissolve. It also means to untie. I just think that's cool. I get excited about these things. I'm glad y'all are patient because I need a bigger table. <laughs> Titus 2, 11 and 14, the grace of God, his unmerited favor has come forward for the deliverance from sin and eternal salvation for all mankind who gave himself on our behalf that he might redeem us and purchase our freedom from all iniquity. What's iniquity? It's what the, my mom and my dad did what my grandmother, my grandfather did, what my great-grandmother, my great-grandfather did. It's those things that are passed through the family line. We all had rejection, so I am a reject. That's what iniquity is. That word means twisted. No, thank you. Learn to say no. Just because my parents did it, had it, does not mean I have to, but you can accept it. Well, everybody in the family was an alcoholic. Well, you might have that disease, but you don't have to live in it. Everybody in my family had, you know, just lived in fear. Well, once you are born again and the blood of Jesus has cleansed you, you can stand up and say, God did not give me a spirit of fear and I resist you in the name of Jesus. I receive power, love, and a sound mind. I may not feel it. I may not look like it. I may not act like it. But God said it, and so it's so. That, that's how you do it. But if you live your life based on how you feel, well, that's what you get. He gave himself to redeem us from all iniquity and purify for himself a people who are his, who are eager and enthusiastic about living a life that is good, and filled with beneficial deeds. I want to live a life that is good and filled with beneficial deeds because Jesus gave himself for me, not because I'm earning it. All right. Where am I? Here I am. So grace, 
God's riches at Christ's expense. I absolutely love that. Again, we're not trying to convince God. He's trying to convince us. I woke up the other morning and I kept hearing the word recreated. I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, I have recreated you. And I knew where it was. It was in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. So I went to it. It is by free grace. What kind of grace? Free. What kind? Free. free. What does that mean? It means you didn't pay for it? Uh-huh. I mean, Delinda, what if you said, you come to my store today, everything's free? By the time they got there, there would be nothing left because I take it and resell it. Free grace. It's free. By free grace that you are saved and delivered from judgment, thank the Lord. Through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves or your own doing and it didn't, didn't come through your own striving. It is the gift of God. You know, on birthdays, Christmas, whatever, I give my, my children gifts. They don't go, Mom, how much do I owe you? Do your children do that? I mean, I, I would need a Xanax if I heard that. And I've never taken one in my life. Oh, go, where, where do my children go? Who are you? No, it's free. It's a gift. And it's not because of works, lest any man should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do, so no one can pride himself or take glory to himself. For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, his recreated in Christ Jesus, that we may do those good works which God predestined for us to take, and this is so awesome, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life we, which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now, I'm going to ask some serious questions. I'll ask my two friends here. Jovette, was it the good life when the giant of leukemia came upon you? That was not the good life. Chanel, was it the good life when a non-smoker was diagnosed with lung cancer? Is that living the good life? which God prearranged and made ready for you to live. No, that was the devil trying to snuff out their fruitful lives and keep them from living the good life that he prearranged. But thank God that that giant confronted them, but God empowered them to bring down that giant. You know, one thing I learned from Rick, and it, it was just profound to me. This is not what I'm going to tell you at the end either is that when we meet people, and some people are difficult, we always need to consider the three Bs. How many of you know the three Bs? If you've heard it before, say it with me. Background, battles, and burdens. So when you meet difficult people or people that are just so, such a mess, consider what in their background caused that. What is their battle and what burden are they carrying? And, you know, that really helps me accept people. And I, there's a lot of people I have to accept. I minister to a lot of people. And I hear their background. I hear what they're battling. I see their burdens. My job is in Ephesians 2 to show people how to live the good life which he prearranged and made ready. To receive the grace of God that they can't earn. The mercy of God. 
that you don't get what you deserve because of the blood of Jesus. So I used to lie before I got born again. I was, I was a habitual liar, and I, I did it for the wrong reason. I did it to save myself because I thought I'm going to get punished if I tell the truth. And I did. I did get punished when I told the truth, but that was not very often that I told the truth. <laughs> now I despise lies, abhor them. And if I find out someone's lying to me, it takes a while to get, I'll forgive you, but it takes a while to earn my trust. And so I would lie to save myself. And, and you know, one thing I did, we, we were on a very, very tight budget. My dad was in the military and they might pay phenomenally today. I have no idea. But in those days, I mean, even though he was an officer, the pay was not great. And so... Yeah, never mind. I'm not going to say the things I was going to say. So, um, so we, there are four girls. And you know, how many of you know girls are very expensive? <laughs> and um, so I worked at age 14. I worked from the time I was 14. And I worked in a clothing store. And I only remember, I know I had more than this, but the only thing I remember is I had a, a maroon-colored tent dress that I loved and it had little orange pinstripes in it and it had a little cloth matching purse and my mother took me it was a shop called learners how many of you remember learners see well, a lot of you are old okay <laughs> and so <laughs> so she that's the only place I was allowed to go and I remember her you know flipping through the rack and finding this dress and it you know it was very inexpensive and but I liked this dress so much and it's the only thing I really remember having. And I know I had more. I just, it was not anything that meant anything to me. And so I would work in this clothing store. And every day, now I'm just telling you what I did. Now remember, I was not saved. I would never do this today. But I would just take something off the rack and stick it in my purse and leave the tags on. And the next day when my mother would go to work, because both my parents worked, I would put that thing that I took, it's called stealing, I borrowed, I borrowed it. And I would wear it to school, so I'd have something to wear that was different. And then I would take it back to the store I worked in, put it back on the rack. And they, they didn't have security tags in these days. Okay, I was born in 1953, do the math. This is 1967, all right. And, and so that's what I would do. Because I had so much shame on me. And that was wrong. Totally wrong. But you know what? Now I've been recreated in Christ Jesus. And he supplies me with good gifts. And he will you too. Just be faithful to him. Be faithful. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Be a faithful tither. I don't believe in that. Well, God does. See, that's the problem. When God believes in something and you don't, who's wrong? What if healing was way easier than you think? What if it involves less stress, less striving, less trying to pull heaven down? Realizing God has a big, giant yes over your life. 2 Corinthians 1.20. For as many as are the promises of God, they all, say all, find their, what? Yes, in him. Why? Because he purchased it. It's signed with the blood of Jesus. For this reason, we utter amen. 
so be it to God through him, to the glory of God. So when you read a promise in the word of God, you just say, amen, that's mine. You should write it out. He's already decided to heal you. I asked um, my granddaughter, Abigail, and her fiance. They, I mean, they'll be out at a restaurant. They have led so many servers to the Lord. I mean, just, and, and he, my, her husband-to-be, he is an evangelist. And he'll just ask anybody, anywhere if they know Jesus. And they literally, they'll be sitting at a table and he'll lead the, the server to the Lord. And they just have this huge, and I know when Kathy, she was already, my sister was already transitioning, as they say. And um, I remember Abigail prayed for her and it was the most powerful prayer. And my sister literally, I mean, for a moment just came alive. She went, wow. And I asked Abigail, I said, Abigail, what do you know about healing? And she just looked at me with her little, you know, very pure-hearted 22-year-old face. And she said, oh, Mimi, healing is so easy. And so I'm going to stop there and I'm going to share with you what happened to me on Sunday. And I just pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit that it will penetrate you the way it penetrated me. It was very life-changing very, very life-changing for me. Um, I, Cindy and I had asked Rick to pray for someone who was in need of healing, a certain type of healing. And the type of healing really involved a creative miracle. Now, over 40 years now with Rick and Cindy, as Cindy and I were talking, I met her in January 40 years ago. Yes, right, we were, we were 40. I mean, we were actually 10, right? Yes, we were 10 when we met. And I met her at a James Robinson conference and had met Rick before that. Uh, maybe, how long do you think before that, Cindy? That he, when did he start coming to San Antonio? Do you remember? Okay, so that was a year. Okay. So it was about a year. And uh, I've prayed with him many, many times for people in need. And there's several of those many times I've, there's been a huge revelation. And so on Sunday, we come to pray for this individual. And the first thing he said, in a very gentle voice. Now, when Rick prays, uh, if, you've, if he's ever personally prayed for you, there is such authoritative command there. It's enough to knock you over. I mean, it is with authority and with power and with assurance. And my, my children have said, you know, several, eight years ago, I think it's been now, when I had that emergency from a dental anesthesia and I ended up in the ER intubated. And Rick and Cindy were vacationing in Hawaii. And they were ready to get on a plane and come home if I was dying. But... Rick sent one of, the, one of the elders, other than my husband, over, you know, to be with us during this. It was a crisis for my family. Uh, Courtney and I were laughing the other day because I slept through the whole thing. And, but they say to this day, you know, if Rick had been there and he had walked in, you would have gotten off that table. And they, they believe that. I mean, that's the kind of authority 
the general authority he carries in the kingdom of heaven. But this day on Sunday, it was different. Because he prayed with the most gentle voice I've ever heard him pray. And he simply said these words. He simply said, Holy Spirit, we ask you to heal. And when he called on the Holy Spirit, I was ashamed of myself. Because all I could see was the Virgin Mary saying, how shall this be? I've not known a man. And Gabriel said to her, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And I realized, why aren't we asking the person who gave life to Jesus after he died? Why are we not inviting him to give life to our mortal bodies, to our minds, to our thoughts. When Jesus said, because the disciples were upset, and they were trying to control Jesus to not leave, because he told them he was leaving. Peter rebuked Jesus. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? Peter said, Lord, this shall not be. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. He wasn't talking to Peter, obviously. He was talking to the spirit behind what Peter said. You're not savoring the things of God. You're savoring the things of man. And the disciples didn't want him to go. I wouldn't either. And Jesus said, but it's good for you if I go because I'll send the Holy Spirit. And he will be your teacher and your guide and your comforter and your counselor. And he will transmit to you the message of the Father. And it completely undid me when I heard him say that, Holy Spirit. And then I remembered, if you need healing today, the scripture you should stand on. Romans 8, verse 10. If Christ lives in you, and if he doesn't, don't you leave this room without asking Jesus to be your Savior. If Christ dwells in you, you're not living the life of the flesh, you're living the life of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not possess the Holy Spirit, he is none of his. He does not belong to Christ. He is not a child of God. But if Christ lives in you, then, although your natural body is dead by reason of sin, when did it die? When Adam was born. You know that every baby that's born is terminal, right? Does everyone know that? We're all terminal. Because if Jesus doesn't come before we go to the grave, that's where we're, our body, the tent, is going to go. Our spirit, of course, will not. So everybody's terminal, but we want to live out the length of our days. What God has written in his book, he has written in his book the length of everybody's days. And some people fulfill that, and some people don't. I want to fulfill it. Because that's how 
You know, as Rick says, he had a book called Die Empty. That's how you die empty. When you fulfilled all that God put you on the earth to do. And who wouldn't mind leaving once you've done that? But if Christ lives in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of the righteousness he imputes to you. And if, here you go, if the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead, are you ready? Will, will, will restore to life your mortal body through the spirit who indwells you. Now, I am a Greek geek, and I went to the Greek because I have heard people pray the most unbelieving prayers. Well, that means when you die, he'll restore to life your mortal body. No, no, he won't. This body is going to turn to dust from whence it came. You do know 85% of the dust in your home is flesh, right? That's why, have you ever noticed when you go on vacation and you come back home, the house is not dusty because you are not there. I looked it up. Your mortal body is this body here. Now, that's exactly what it means in the Greek. Why else would the apostle Paul say that this mortality is going to put on immortality? Now, when Jesus comes, you're going to get your body back. But it's going to be incorruptible. I will never be the same. I began to ask the Holy Spirit, the parts of me. Does everybody have a part of them that needs restoration? Yeah. Invite the Holy Spirit. Be conscious of his presence. Honor his presence. Respect his presence. He is God. It is good for us that Jesus went away because he sent another who will be with us forever. I'm going to close by reading you that. I hadn't planned on that, but I'm going to. If I can find it. Anybody know off the top of their head where it says it's good for you? Oh, no wonder I'm in Luke. It's not in Luke. It's in John. Just hang on. All right, here you go. John. 1526, when the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, and the standby comes, whom I will send to you from my Father, the Spirit of truth, he will testify regarding me, and you will testify and be my witnesses. That's what we're supposed to do. Jesus said in John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you're not able to hear them yet. But when the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
He will not speak on his own message or his own authority. He will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and he will glorify me because he will take of mine and he will transmit it to you. And that is exactly, exactly, exactly what happened on Sunday to me. Verse 7 of John 16 says, I'm telling, I am telling you nothing but the truth. When I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you to go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And whether or not we are in close fellowship with him is up to us. He won't make you. He's a gentleman. That's why he's depicted. He's not a dove, but he's depicted as a dove. The other day is early Saturday morning, and it was so cold. If you were outside at all early Saturday morning, you were shivering. It was that cold. And the wind was whipping. And a friend said, look at the wind. You know, because the trees and... And I kind of laughed and I said, you know, it's really funny. We, we have that expression, look at the wind. You can't see the wind, but you can see the effect of the wind. We can't see the Holy Spirit, but we can see the effect of the Holy Spirit. And one of them is to restore to life our mortal body. I texted Rick. I said, do you remember the exact words you said? He said, I don't remember anything I said. I just prayed. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit. So let's pray and ask him right now. Lord, thank you for going away and for sending the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you sent the Spirit of the Son of God into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Thank you for disclosing to us everything we need to live a life that is pleasing and whole. And now, right now, we ask you, Holy Spirit, touch any part of our body, of our mind, of our emotion that's broken. You said you would restore to life, Zoe life, the divine life of God himself, that you would restore to life our mortal body through your spirit. And so we ask you to do just that. And with all our hearts, we thank you. Thank you. We'll hold fast that confession that you are restoring all degenerative parts of our body and our mind, our hearts, our emotions. And we ask you, Father, to do it in the name of Jesus, through your spirit. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting ChosenEssay.com. 
Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.